0: So if we go to the creation, so if we go all the way back to the beginning, we see the the God of everything hovering over chaos, over nothing, and he decides to create. And with his very word, he creates. And he creates, first and foremost, a garden. And it's this garden, really, in a lot of ways, you could imagine it as this almost mountaintop garden, where he puts... Adam and Eve puts humanity in the garden. But this garden is more than just a garden. It's more than just a beautiful place of plants and animals. It is this intersecting point between two realms, between the the heavenly realm and the realm of this creation. And there in the garden is that temple, if you would, that place where... Man and God, where humanity and God intersect, and they, they are finding their purpose and identity. They are put in this garden, and they're put in this garden with new rhythms and purpose. As they're put in the garden, sometimes we tend to think of it as this kind of relaxing place, like an eternal vacation. But when we really get to looking, we see a rhythm develop. A rhythm develops. And in the Hebrew thought, there was this rhythm that you begin with rest. That the day begins at sunset. Not at sunrise. The day begins at sunset. So the first thing you do, the most important thing you do, is you sleep. And you have this rhythm of rest. And then as you awaken, you work. They were given work to do. Sometimes we want to say, and I've said, life is not about what you do. You're not human doings, but human beings. And that is very true. But a part of our being is the work and the calling that we are given to do. And he gives this to us at the very beginning. He's, they're told to take care of this garden. They're given work to do, purpose. Not only are they given the garden to take care of, but they are told... That they are now in charge of this creation. And it's then their care to lead and manage and develop creation. So in a lot of ways, God gave them this blank sheet of paper and all kinds of art materials and said, let's create something together. heres I've given you the template. I've given you the basics. I've given you all of the tools and resources. Your job is to develop it. To bring the best out of it. And so we do that as as artists, as cooks, as, as teachers, as builders, as those who protect. In all these different ways, we are developing creation and making this world better and better for the people who inhabit it. That was the work we were given to do. And then there was this rhythm that continued in the evening of connection. And in the cool of the evening, they would walk with God, connect with God, connect in this conversation with their creator, That define them and help them to understand. They could talk about their connection together. They could talk about their relationships. They could talk about the the things that they had seen in the garden. And worked on in the garden. And taken care of in the garden. They They could then continue to move in these directions. And we see that there is this rhythm established for humanity. That involves rest And work and play and connection. But something happens in the garden. And it doesn't just happen in humanity. If you read through Genesis chapters 1 through 6, you see that there's something that breaks in both the created order and in that heavenly realm. There are those who jump, who abandon in the heavenly realm and in the earthly realm the purposes of God. There's, it's, it's kind of this metaphor, but this image, this story of a, of a tree in the center, a tree in the center of the garden, the tree of good and evil, really a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what they wanted to do, what they were tempted to do by the serpent was to take control of the creation. To take control of their own identity. To take control of the rules of what was right and what was wrong. And so we see them take that fruit. And not only that, we see these powers that leave and abandon God's created order to help us in our sin. These are powers that you see all throughout the scripture defined as evil. Lust greed, manipulation, power, pride. They drive us to try to define who we are, right? So there's this this drive in the world, this compulsion in the world today that most of us are motivated by, by lust. Physical lust, lust for more stuff, Lust for, for more material goods, lust for more power, lust for more reputation, just lust for more and more and more and more that never ends. And maybe it's pride that goes along with us. We are driven by this pride to prove ourselves, to be more, to do more, to help others to see how great we are. Then it's, if it's not lust of pride, often it's this, this greed that drives us and separates us control over our own fate and destiny. And these things have driven us out of the garden, out of what God has for us. And he says that when, when we've left this garden, we've abandoned, he says, there'll come a day. There'll come a day I will send and begin a new humanity in one man who will conquer that serpent, who will conquer evil, who will conquer death, who will conquer sin and show you a new way. And what we then see is that that the Israelites are called through Abraham. We begin to get a picture. Maybe this is the new humanity too. But instead 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 of overcoming the lust and the greed and the pride and the control and the violence. They repeat all of those. And he promises there will come a day. There will come a day when I'll not only send this new human, but he will be a new king and a new priest for Israel. And no longer will you be defined by lust and pride and greed and control and violence. But this new priest will begin something brand new in the world. He will begin something so radical that it will shift humanity into a new direction. You will be invited back and put back on a pathway that leads back to the garden. That's why in Revelation it's described as that garden. We're put back into the rhythms of who we were created to be. And in this world today that is driven by things like lust and pride and greed and control and violence, we as followers of Jesus misfit. We don't fit. Not because we do more, achieve more, go after more, or have bigger goals, but our center, our purpose, our identity is different. We're not looking to find ourselves in in having more, We're not looking to find ourselves in our pride or our reputation or even our careers. We're not looking through control or violence to manipulate or make the world turn out right. Instead, we are living back in the garden where rest begins our day, where we stop once a week to allow our souls to catch up with our bodies where we stop each night and we sleep. We get eight hours of rest, seven hours of rest, not to recover from a hard day's work, but to prepare for what God has for us to do in the next day. And we get up, energized, renewed, revived with purpose for a work that matters, a work that benefits people right? That's what our work is, to develop this creation, this world. We are here to serve. And we live in a renewed connection with God and others that's defined by love. And it makes no sense to the world. It makes no sense to the world. Because what happens is, we come into this time of year, this new year, and we, and we start to think about who we are, if we're a reflective person. If not, we roll through and it's just another day. And if that's you, that's you, and this probably isn't going to help all that much. But if you take five minutes and you think about last year and you think, man, this went really great. I really am thankful for the way this worked in my marriage or in my home or in my job. I'm really thankful for what I saw God do in me. Really thankful for what happened in my finances or my health. Or you look and think, man, you know, as I look at the next year, I hope that 365 days from now, my finances look more like this. Or my my life looks more like this or my health looks more like this or my job looks more like this. And we look out at this next year and we begin to set goals or resolutions. Most of us have already given up on them. The rest of us will give up in the next six weeks. 25% will make it six months and your life will be completely different six months from now. When we make goals in a new year, it's said that, that most people's goals are around health, finances, personal development, or professional development. Really, if you think about it, our world today lives for two things success and happiness. Our culture is driven to look for and try to acquire success or happiness. We're after these two things, everything driven. For success and happiness. And we wonder sometimes why we don't fit. <laughs> we shouldn't be surprised by being misfits. Jesus, if we take him at his word. He says, he says to us in John 15, 19, you belong to the world. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. <laughs> as it is, you do not belong to the world. I've chosen you out of the world and this is why the world hate you. The world, we we don't fit because we don't live by the same pattern. Let Let me explain a little bit. There is a pattern that happens over and over again in our world. And this time of year, we can see it most clearly. Our culture is driven for success or happiness. And really, I would say it's more happiness because we'll think the success will give us happiness. We're looking to feel good. We're looking to feel accomplished. We're looking to to succeed, to acquire, to achieve more. How can we do more in this next year? How can we be happier? And our culture, uh, the people of our culture, of our nation, of our world, will sacrifice anything and everything for success and happiness. We live our lives, especially in our younger years in this culture, sacrificing everything in the achievement of the career goals that we have, of the things that we think will set us up for happiness the rest of our lives. And many of us, we sacrifice community or relationships over and over again. We sacrifice relationships with family members. We sacrifice relationships with friends. We sacrifice the very things that are helping us to be and do our very best. But we don't value people. We value success and happiness. So we don't need the people. We'll sacrifice them. Many others continue to sacrifice, having sacrificed the people around them they will sacrifice character as well their integrity many in our world have sacrificed their integrity to achieve their goals to achieve success or happiness how many marriages end because someone says you don't make me happy anymore and I deserve to be happy We made promises and vows that we're unwilling to keep anymore because they don't make us happy. I'm after success. I'm after happiness. So I'm going to go wherever those take me, wherever more dollars are, wherever more achievement is. I'm going to go there in spite of the community that I have here, in spite of the relationships I have. None of those matter. I'm going to go out to that. So then we push into the character. And, And it tends to work like this. Like, this is who I am, this is what I believe, this is what I won't do. I won't lie, I won't cheat, whatever your rules are for yourself. Kind of your self-contract. These are things I won't do. But then this opportunity comes up. A few more dollars, a little more achievement, a promotion, or something on the side. But it just requires you to step across this little line. Tell this little lie. Cheat just a little bit on the taxes. To, to fudge the numbers a little bit. To do something that you know is not really who you are. To treat someone in a way that you know they should never be treated. And you think, this is what we think. Well, look, I'm going to cross this line. But listen, there's this line. I'm never going to cross this line. Like, I, yeah, yeah, I know I crossed that line, but But this, this is the real line. I'm never going to do that. But once we've crossed a line... It gets easy to keep crossing lines. Our brain does this disassociation thing that allows us to keep going. And we take it one little thing at a time. We never are here and we think, man, I never want to be that guy who loses everything in in his pursuit of success. I never want to be that person who lets go of everything in pursuit of their own personal happiness. But what happens is nobody jumps from here all the way over here. It happens one little step at a time, one little sacrifice at a time. As you sacrifice community, you sacrifice your character one lie at a time, one misdeed at a time, one sin at a time, one little thing at a time. Until that day you look up and you think, I never wanted to be this person. I never wanted to be this person I never wanted all of these broken relationships in my past. I never wanted these addictions. I never wanted these fears. I never wanted this baggage. I never wanted to be the person who could do that. It's how pastors walk into moral failure. It's how CEOs walk into stealing money. This is what happens. One Little lie. One little step at a time. We sacrifice our character. And what we don't realize. Is happening. In our. Pursuit of success. And happiness. Is that we are. Sacrificing our connection. Our connection with God. And ourselves. We're sacrificing. The very source of our identity. We're sacrificing our soul, now and into eternity to get more success and happiness, to feel better for a few more minutes. I just just need to be happy tonight. (laughs) We don't even think about, man, what did we just sacrifice for that? This success, this achievement, this thing I've dreamed of wanting, and what am I sacrificing to get it? And this is the pattern of our world. And and what tends to happen is this slow awakening. We spend our 20s and our 30s pursuing success and happiness until we've reached whatever level we think is possible. And we wake up. We awaken a little bit and realize none of this is all that good without people to share it with. None of this is really what I want without people to share it with. And we start to look for relationships. And maybe it's the second or third marriage. We finally realize relationships don't work if I don't have any character. If I can't be trusted. And in our 50s and 60s, we start to realize, I need to build my life as someone who is trustworthy. Someone who is honest. Someone that can be depended on. Someone that can look in the mirror and not feel like they have to drop their eyes. But it's not till much later and we go back and we think, man, I've discovered this. Now I'm trying to make my relationships right and that's not working and I'm all that I've sacrificed. And then people today, they get into their 70s, maybe their 80s. And they realize, you know, I really didn't control all that much in life. I think there may be a God after all. And they start to look to connect with God. And they've spent their lives pursuing this success or happiness, sacrificing everything. Only to come back to these little awakenings later in life and realize all that they have lost in pursuit. Watched a movie this week. It was a long movie. I watched it by myself, mainly because it's not one I would want my kids to watch, and um, Anita didn't want to watch it. But it was The Irishman, about the, the gangster, the mobster, um, and the stories um, around his life. And it was this really interesting moment as he comes into his his elderly years, and he is sitting in a wheelchair barely able to move and he's telling his story and he's and he sits across from one of his daughters and he has this moment of realization of every thing that he sacrificed in his pursuit of success or happiness And he can't get one of his daughters to even speak to him. His first wife is gone. His second wife is dead. And he sees all that he did that was wrong. And his last conversation in the movie is a conversation with a priest about forgiveness and a prayer. As he walks out of the nursing home on Christmas Eve and the movie ends, I thought, man, this is just a pattern of so many people. And it doesn't have to be a mobster. It doesn't have to be theft and extortion and murder. But how many times do we sacrifice community, character, connection with God for what we think will make us happy? Or successful. So this is the pattern of the world. And the unfortunate thing that we see is it becomes the pattern of disciples too often as well. People who, who get connected to God and they're growing, but then they, they think, you know, I really, I really don't know that I have time to build these relationships and community that will help me to grow. Life groups, you know, every other week, that's just too much. I can't commit to that. Or, or they let character start to slip. Well, they really were, and they kind of fall back into old habits and old addictions and old struggles that are that are ripping them apart and making them someone they don't want to be. Slowly, and it doesn't take long before we lose our connection with God in all of this. And when we start to drift from God, it's like pulling a coal out of the fire. It doesn't take long to cool. It was a warning that Paul gave to the church in Rome. See, Paul started churches, and then he would write back letters as kind of these sermons to, to help, but he actually didn't start the churches in Rome. He'd heard about them and always wanted to come to him. but he, he has felt responsibility for all those who were coming to Christ who didn't come from the background of the, of the Hebrew nation, of the, Israel, of the Israelites. And so he writes them a letter, and he gives them this warning in Romans chapter 2, verse 12. It says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by new ideas, the new creation. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. One one of the translators who paraphrases this, he puts it this way. Don't become so well-adjusted to the culture around you that you fit in without even thinking. Basically, remember you're a misfit. We do it differently. We do it differently. We have different concern. We have different focus. Focus. If we look at and I don't have time to go all the way into it, but in Second Corinthians chapter five, verses twelve to twenty, he's writing to the church in Corinth they started because there have been leaders kind of come up in that church who accused him of being out of his mind. He says, Well, if I'm out of my mind, I'm out of my mind for God. And he kind of begins to explain that, listen, yes, we as followers of Jesus are misfits. We, are, we appear to be out of our mind because we are new creations. We have been made new. We have begun to see that there is a better and a different pattern that will transform our lives. And others just haven't seen it yet. We're kind of on the front edge of that bell curve. And we need to stay into this reality of being a new creation, convinced convinced of eternal life, convinced that our lives now are shaped to be what they were meant to be when we live for others, not for our own success or happiness. When we live with the purpose for which we were created, convinced, compelled, he says, by Christ's love. We have experienced the love of Christ, that connection. It compels us in everything we do. And actually, the word he uses for compel is the same word as controlled. We are controlled by Christ's love. It decides what we do. Not our pursuit of more success or happiness. And then he says we're committed as ambassadors of the kingdom of God. The message of reconciliation. We are sent out. Commissioned. As ambassadors. Committed. As ambassadors, so that we realize when we go to that restaurant this afternoon, we're we're there to eat. But what we're really there to be is kind of undercover ambassadors, undercover agents of the kingdom of God. When we go to work tomorrow, yeah, you've got a job to do. But your real job is to be an undercover agent for the kingdom of God. In your home, you're an agent for the kingdom of God. In our community, you're an agent for the kingdom of God. When you go to class tomorrow... You haven't seen your friends for a while and you want to catch up. there's, There's all kinds of things your teachers are going to want you to do. But the truth is you're there to be an undercover agent of the kingdom of God. Wherever he puts you, you are there compelled by the love of Christ to share the love of Christ. And that affects everything we are and do. And so we follow a different pattern that begins right here with our connection to God. We don't live as those in our culture today. Look, we're, we're in the South. Christianity is just something you do. Church is something you do. But we have a lot of people in the South who are churched but not changed. They're churched but not changed. They come to church on Sundays and they're jerks on Monday. Nobody wants to be around them on Tuesday. And by Wednesday, everything's falling apart. They hobble through the rest of the week come back on Sunday. They're churched and nothing is changing. They're not a new creation. They're not really connected to God and allowing God to tell them who they are. They're not a misfit because they're not really taking God at his word. They're not really letting God tell them how to use their body, how to use their mind, how to live this spiritual life how to use their finances, how to enter into relationships, how to do marriage, any of these things. He is not the one in charge. He is not the one who is compelling and controlling and directing. So we're church, but not changed. And we as disciples of Jesus are new creations, changed in this connection to God, living on this purpose of God, and therefore living with the power of God in us able to be and do more than anything we can imagine because everything begins in this connection. But remember, the connection begins in rest. There's a rhythm to it. It's in stopping. As Brendan said, being still and knowing that he is God. It's not about doing more. It's not about being church. It's about being changed. It's not about more church and more prayer and more Bible and more of all of this. If you don't have any of it, you probably do need more. But that's not what changes us. It's God who changes us. We get into the word so that we can meet the one behind it all. We pray so that we can connect with him and hear from him. We don't know how to do what he wants, be who he wants, if we don't know him. And when we know him, we recognize him, we're able to follow him. And this connection with God changes us and shapes our character first. Here's the crazy thing. like We come to Jesus, and we want him to change our circumstances. We want him to make us happier and more successful. We want him to fix our relationships. He says, listen, we'll get to that, but we're going to start with you. (laughs) We come to Jesus, and the first thing he wants to do is start to change me, He wants to change the way I think. He wants to change the way I believe. He wants to change the way I behave so that my life is determined and defined by grace and truth. Lived out in love. Not this mushy kind of accepted all love, but a love that is truthful and graceful. Two sides of the same coin. A love that actually changes things about us. That we are connected with him and it shapes our character, defines us so that we can be trusted, so that we'll not start crossing the little lines and never end up here where we don't want to be. Uh, It is the kind of character that teaches us to love in ways that are true and honest and real and not manipulative or selfish or lustful or prideful or greedy or controlling or violent. But really love. I mean, when we take God at his word, we're going we're to be misfits. I mean, he said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He said, revenge is mine. Not yours. He said, when you get hit in the face, don't retaliate. Stand strong in who you are and what you're doing, but don't hit them back. You're going to be a misfit if you do that. Tell the truth at all costs. Sacrifice for others. Put the needs of others before your own. Keep no record of wrongs. You're going to be a misfit if you do those things. If you take God at his word and allow it to really shape who you are, your character, you're not going to fit. I mean, you can look like the rest of the world and sound like the rest of the world, but you're really an undercover agent working with a completely other mission. As people get to know you more and more, they're going to see how weird you are. And that character makes you ready for community, relationships. I use the word community, but it's talking about all relationships. Listen, if you're not good and healthy in yourself, you're not going to be all that good for anybody else. Until we allow him to change us and shape our character, we're not really going to be able to value people. Or be trusted by people. And it's only there that we really discover that meaning and this purpose. See, we were put here to connect. When he, when he created us in this garden, he said, you are the image of God. And God is relational. So we're meant to be relational. Relational. You're not meant to succeed or try for happiness all on your own. In fact, think about your opportunities in life and the best things in life. All of them came from other people. Without relationship and the ability to value people, your opportunities and your joy and your happiness get smaller and smaller and smaller. And this doesn't mean marriage or dating or any of that, but that's all part of it, if that's what he has for you. But it's just as true in singleness, that we were meant for community and connection. And it's there we, we begin to step in and be ready to experience success and joy that's deeper than happiness. And we find it most when we come back and give it all back to God. So we follow a different pattern. While the world is running after success and happiness, sacrificing everything else, we realize that God is not an extra thing I do when I have time. That worship is not an extra thing I do when I have time. That that being a part of the work of the kingdom is not an extra thing that I do when I have time. It defines everything. It's not like a piece of the pie that defines your whole life. It's the crust that holds your whole life. And then we work toward character. Before we're pursuing success, like if you're young, if you're in your 20s and 30s, listen to me. Don't run here, run here. Run here. If you're a teenager, run here. It's not about what friends you have in school, it's not about even how good you do in class. It is about your character. You get that right, then this will come and this will come in a way that you can never imagine possible. But it takes following God's pattern, not the pattern of the world, and you're going to seem like a misfit. When the people around you are sacrificing their character and you refuse, you're not going to fit. When you choose to value people over success... You're not going to fit. When you choose to value people over performance or competence or any other word you want to put there that has to do with these two things, then you are going to not fit. But it will lead to a kind of success and happiness that you can't acquire or have or experience any other way. And it's fulfilled when we find the significance that we're really looking for in life when we give it all back to God. So our pattern is just different, and it makes us a misfit. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at, at God's Word. Taking God at His Word for how we live out our lives as spiritual beings. How we live out our lives as physical beings. How we live out our lives as emotional beings, really just whole people. How do we live out our lives? How do we live this out? What does God's word have to say about our spirituality? What does God's word have to say about our bodies? What does God's word have to say about our emotions? And how does that make us misfits in the world? Because it does every time. Because we're going back and finding ourselves here, and here's the beauty of it. One last little history lesson: Creation, the Garden of Eden is this kind of temple, the connection point between God and humanity. If we look at Scripture, we see them in the desert, they build a tent. That's, we'll call that a tent. There, now it kind of looks like one. Not really. They built a tent called the tabernacle. And it was the place where God and man connected. But once they went into the promised land, David said, you need a house. I have a beautiful big house. You need a house, God. God God's like, I don't need a house. I got a tent. I want to build you a house. Fine. But you can't build it. Your hands are too bloody. You've bought into too much of the violence and control and greed. Lust. So I'm going to have your son build it. Really before he can get into all those things. And so Solomon builds this this big temple. I don't know. (laughs) Big temple. (laughs) And there God said in the Holy of Holies he would reside. And it would be the place where heaven and earth combined. But then... In 70 AD, the temple was destroyed, and Paul writes, don't you know, don't you know your bodies are the temple of God? You now are the place where God and man intersect. In you is where God connects with humanity. And that's why all of this matters. And when we come to him, we stop fitting in. Let's pray. God, help us to see who we are. Help us to see who you made us to be, who you called us to be, how we can live this out. Help us as we try to reverse the pattern of the world. We need you. Being a misfit is hard. People don't understand. Being unwilling to succumb to the expectations of the dominant culture puts us in a weird place. And you said that would be the case. but We really need your help. So as we lean in, God, to connect to you, would you define our character? Put us into community and build us into to the people you made us to be to do the work that you created us to do. Would you receive all the glory and honor? Amen. Amen. So glad that you were here on this first Sunday of the year. We, I hope and pray that this is helpful and kicks your year off. Realizing who we really are. Join us as we keep going down this path over the next couple of weeks. We'll see you soon. And for all those who doesn't, don't have that number one... Resolution, there's some homemade cookies out there. Enjoy. (laughs)